Tuesday Night Mystery Club. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday Night Mystery Club. I'm your host, Caitlin McCluskey, and today I'm joined with a returnee guest. Hello, Eric Wong. Hello. So when you were last on here, you, you guessed the, the solution. This is true. You have been uh, met with a lot of, uh, not skepticism, but people, people question you that know, you actually I'd, I'd like to defend on. myself here. I was told yeah. to, yes. uh, I was told, you know, make sure you, you know, engage the listener and let them know what you're thinking and what questions you have. And mm-hmm. then people were like, Eric, you're, you're fishing way too much information out of Caitlin. She basically solved it for you. <laughs> like, well, you know, I'm just doing what I was told. Yeah. Also, to point out to people listening, I don't have very many comments on my podcast, and one of the only ones is, wow, Eric was the best guest ever. Really love this episode. I, so. I still think about that comment sometimes. I'm like, wow. <laughs> Thank you, person who left that comment. <laughs> um, so so this is going to be your, your kind of redemption. I yeah. will really try not to give you anything I shouldn't. <laughs> well, so I've been, I've been, you know, thinking if I get this one wrong, I'm still at a 50% solve rate. True. And True. I, I, I check the stats because I'm like, how do I compare it to, you know, different countries? And the U.S. Mm-hmm. only has a 46% violent crime clearance rate. So I could get this wrong and I'm still doing like acceptably. Yeah. I, I would say sample size doesn't matter at all. So no, no. I mean. I would know I that we because and you would know that because we took stats so we know sample size of two that's enough. <laughs> Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this week we're doing this is kind of exciting and I'm kind of shocked I haven't done this sooner. Uh, the book is called The Thirteen Problems. It's a short story collection by Agatha Christie, and I'm doing the first one because it's called The Tuesday Night Club, which is actually oh. where I got the name of this podcast. Nice. Yeah. So to celebrate, my tea pairing for this week is just my favorite tea, which is Earl Grey tea, because it's all about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this seems like it should have been like the first episode, you know, the one that's named. Yeah, after. you would have thought. Not, or like, maybe you should have like held it off for like the last episode. Like, you're like, all right, I'm sick of this podcast. Mm-hmm. We'll do one more. And it's, you know, the one it's named after. Mm-hmm. I... Uh, I decided to do it because I I either made a post on Instagram or I commented on someone's thing and said that my podcast name came from the Tuesday Night Club. And so I felt like if I was going to mention it in an offhand comment, I should I should say it right on the right. podcast and kind of talk mm-hmm. about it. Uh, and then also, so so I'll, I'll give a little description. So the, the Tuesday Night Club was formed... By there was this group of people with Miss Marple. So Miss Marple's one of Agatha Christie's like main detectives. And mm. they're all at Miss Marple's house. And it's, it's a group of uh, like a doctor, a lawyer, a writer, an artist. Like there's a varying degree of people. And they mm. decide that it would be fun if they met once a week and one person told an unsolved mystery that they themselves knew the answer to. And then everyone else could guess. Oh, okay. That's a weird concept, you know? It's like... Like, I'm picturing a doctor coming in and being like, all right, there's this unsolved murder, but I know who did it. And then everyone tries to guess, and the doctor's like, nah, you didn't get it. Well, no one will know who murdered them now. <laughs> okay, it's not quite 
but yeah, kind of to a degree. For, for example, oh, the this story that I'm telling is the um, Sir Henry Clithering. He's like an ex-Scotland Yard dude. And they, it had been an unsolved mystery, but just that week they had found out the solution. And so it was going to be published and uh, like okay, yeah. posted in the soon. So he right. was he could tell this story. Right. Yeah. Before the age of instant uh, info. Yeah. And I've actually, I'm doing this a little out of order. I really should have started with this one, but I've actually done one of these 13 problems with Michael on, I don't know how many months ago, but it was called Motive versus Opportunity. And that was oh, yeah. the I listened story. to that one. They're like, the yeah, your short they, stories with Michael's are like, are like the, the last ones I listened to because I don't have like many podcast minutes now. But <laughs> I would listen to like a super cut of just you giving a bunch of, different introductions for Michael and Michael just reacting like <laughs> you, you could probably spin that off into your your own show I like it um do you want to get started yeah I've already forgotten the name of the detective so I'm ready to go <laughs> I'll, I'll go through all the names again so this this short story is called the Tuesday Night Club and so it's mm -hmm. the first in their unsolved mysteries club and it's where they're fa fa like founding the club and so our, our characters are Miss Marple, who is affectionately known as Aunt Jane, to her nephew, Raymond West. And so these are kind of, Raymond West has put together this group of people and invited okay. them to his aunt's house. So there's Raymond West. He's a writer. Uh, he writes, I don't think, I can't remember if he writes crime, but he like writes, a, uh, I don't know, who cares? He's a writer. <laughs> <laughs> um and then he has there's a girl with him joyce lempierre and she's an artist so that's that's what she has then there's sir henry clithering who is the scotland yard detective so he's a police officer we have dr pender who is i guess not a doctor he's a clergyman so he's okay. like part of the church mm -hmm. and then mr pethrick who is a solicitor or a lawyer. Okay. Cool. So what does that I'm mean? I'm going to forget some of those, but yeah, that's that's fine. And these these characters aren't too important. They just make up the club. The story won't actually right. be about them. They're right, because they're just gonna react to the story, basically, right? And Exactly, yeah. They're doing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah, I guess telling this version is pretty meta. Yeah. Because now yeah, because now the listeners are listening to me talk about people a retelling of people talking about a mystery. <laughs> I love it. So they, they decide on, well, first of all, because this is the first of the, of the mysteries, no one expects Miss Marple to be able to solve anything. They're all kind of just like letting her play along because they feel bad for her. They're like, okay, fine. You can play, but like, what, what do you know? Like right. we're all people of the world. Right. You know nothing. <laughs> Wait, so what is Miss Marple's background right now? She's she's um the aunt of Raymond West. Yes. And, and she lives in a small village, Saint the village of St. Mary Mead. And that's okay. that's that's where her experience come from, is that she's lived in a village and she kind of goes, If you've lived in a village, you understand life. Hmm, okay. So I think they all argue about who is better 
like set up to guess the mystery like every everyone has their own thing like the artist goes like obviously an artist will know will understand things better and then the writer goes none of you have any imagination i'll be able to figure it out and you know the lawyer same thing clergyman same right. thing is this one of those like instances of agatha christie inserting herself into her own story via a writer character you know like i remember <laughs> um, that one mystery where she was like there was a character who's like writing a mystery so hard yeah so that that character you're talking about is Ariadne Oliver, and she she comes up in several books. So I think okay. that like that character is really Miss uh, or Agatha Christie writing about herself. Mm -hmm. This guy Raymond West is just a. I don't think as much. I don't think she she sees himself herself in him. Gotcha. So so the Sir Henry Clithering starts out his story, and he's basically like there was about a year ago there was this instance of three people had like had dinner. They like they were living in the same household. They have dinner. They all got ill, fell ill from what they think was tinned lobster, and then one of them was more ill than the others and died. And so at the time, they were just like, "Oh, food poisoning, totally normal, no right. big deal." Right. As you do. Ah, uh, people die, right? Yeah, people die, and food poisoning, total, total normal way to go. Mm -hmm. So these these people were. Mr. and Mrs. Jones, husband and wife, and then the wife had a companion that was Miss Clark. So those are the three people. Okay. And it was Mrs. Jones, the wife that had died. And the the police officer, Sir Henry Clithering, is describing them as like, none of them were too interesting people. Like they, very normal, middle class, maybe that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So what what starts the story is that Mr. Jones had been like a traveling um maybe not salesman, but that kind of idea where he did a lot of uh, travel for work. And he had been staying at a kind of like hotel in a town before before his wife's death. And one of the maids in that hotel or servants, she'd like to, after a guest would leave, she'd take the blotting paper and try and read what letters they had written. Mm. So you, do you know what blotting paper is? I, I do not. So it's like um, if you wrote with ink, you take you take this thing called blotting paper and put it on the page to blot up any excess ink, so it wouldn't like. Ah, run. okay. So they like, get like a a blurred version of the letter that ends up being written. Exactly, and so it might not be the entirety of the letter. It's also backwards, like they're and it's right. yeah, smudgy and not not totally. So she had she had read this letter as she did all always, and it said, "Entirely dependent on my wife when she is dead." I will hundreds and thousands. And so it was, it, these were, this isn't all one sentence. So this was like entirely the dependent on my wife was one. And then when she is, dead, I will. Okay. And then hundreds and thousands, hundreds and thousands. Okay. So this once, once they, the kind of word makes it to this village where the, where the hotel was, the servant girl kind of starts to go, Oh my gosh. Like I, I read this letter. He probably was writing to someone saying he's going to make hundreds and thousands of dollars when his wife dies. Like, and then talk broke out and then, you know, it spread between the villages and then everyone was talking about uh, that this husband must've killed the wife. And right. so the police are kind of like, probably not this part. It's never this, but we'll exhume the body. Mm -hmm. And would you guess what they found? When they exhumed the body. She had, uh, she had been poisoned with something that's not from, fish <laughs> correct arsenic poisoning what? Um, how did that happen 
So now that they know that this wife was actually poisoned, like they have to open an investigation. And I say have to, but it's it's more like they obviously want to. Yeah, you, you make it sound like they're inconvenienced. Like, oh man, we have to exhume this whole body <laughs> and now we also have to investigate. I think they did find the exhumation was like tedious because they're like, oh, we're not going to find anything. But as right. soon as they did, they're like, well, crap. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so one of the things they the police found was that there was like possibly an attachment to the the doctor's daughter in the town and so the doctor was the one who had originally said that the like that it was just food poisoning so so sorry how was the doctor's daughter related or were you just getting to explaining that yeah it was so it was like talk around town that they might have been like too friendly with each other so the police were trying to look into if like maybe he was cheating on his wife with the doctor's daughter mm-hmm. but they couldn't it felt like if there had been anything going on it had been broken off months ago and so they're they don't think that that's necessarily the right the person um and so then they they also get into the wife had had more money than her husband but it was eight thousand pounds which is a lot in this this book was written in 1932 but not hundreds and thousands of pounds like mm, the chambermaid okay. or the had suspected right. So then the doctor kind of says like exactly what had happened. So he had been called in to, he was super surprised when this new autopsy had been done and found poison because he'd been called in and it looked exactly how he had described it. It was like three, three people all suffering where Mrs. Jones condition was worse. And so he had sent back to his dispensary for some opium pills to kind of like ease the pain for her, but that he wasn't able to save her and she had died. Hmm. And so they then had gone over like what had been in like what had they had for dinner that night. And so it had been the tinned lobster, which is what they thought the food poisoning was, a salad, a trifle and bread and cheese. And all of them had consumed the same like they'd all eaten dinner together, the three of them, the mm, okay, uh, okay. husband, wife and companion. And then he had interrogated the young maid whose name was Gladys Lynch. And she had been very upset and kind of had been like, I swear the tin, like the lobster tin, there was no, I, I, I opened it. There was nothing, to, it hadn't been tampered with. Like it hadn't been opened previously. So I'm not like, I don't know how it could have gotten into there. Okay. Okay. So, hmm. so the maid prepared the food and then the husband, the wife and the wife's companion all ate all the meals that were prepared. Yeah. They all ate together. Okay. So, so they decide kind of if it had been Jones who had, Mr. Jones, who had administered this poison to his wife, he couldn't have done it at dinner. And so then they're kind of looking for new avenues. How else could he have administered this poison? Um, so, so first off, Jones had not, he had come home for dinner that night, but he hadn't, he had been away on his, like on his work trip all that day. So it had to have been, if it was him, it had to have been at dinner or after dinner. Okay. So then they they also are considering the companion because it's like, okay, she was around all day. Could it have been her? But she didn't seem to gain. Like she didn't, the husband at least like, you know, inherited her money, but the companion seemed to gain nothing. And so that was confusing. Right. Okay. Right now I'm picturing some sort of scenario where the husband mildly poisons everyone at the table. And then later on somehow, you know, hits hits her wife with something extra. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, that's kind of the same mindset that the police were on. And so they discovered that 
Mr. Jones had gone down to the kitchen later that night and demanded a bowl of corn flour for his wife, which at the t when I read this for the first time, I looked that up and I'm pretty sure it's literally you just mix corn flour and hot water and that's a drink. Hmm. Okay. I could, I could maybe <laughs> see that being palatable. <laughs> but it's it's supposed to be <laughs> I think you're supposed to drink it if you're like feeling unwell and so that's why Mr. Jones was asking for it for his wife because she said she was feeling unwell right and he so she had prepared it and he had brought it up to her and so then they're like okay so now he has the motive and the opportunity mm -hmm. uh so Sir Henry Clithering is like yeah it would have been great but as you can see we didn't arrest him and you want to know why do you want to guess, Eric? <laughs> what? I'm already. I'm already guessing. Okay. Um, no, no, no. Guess why they did. Just guess why they didn't arrest him. Guess why they didn't arrest him? Because it does seem like, like he, he's he, got. He, they... Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um, okay, they didn't arrest him because he also drank the flower water, the corn, the corn. What is it? The, the what's the drink called? That's corn flower drink. <laughs> corn flower drink. Yeah. That, <laughs> sounds like some horribly like mistranslated um like juice box in the international section or something <laughs> so i think that's a good guess and it's i mean it, the the idea is there uh mrs jones once the cornflower was brought to her decided that she actually didn't she really didn't feel well she didn't even want to drink that and the companion miss clark was like oh well uh i'm actually pretty hungry because she's uh she was, I guess, dieting. They call it banting, which I didn't look up, but I assume that's what that word means. And okay. uh, so she drinks the corn flour because she was hungry. She drinks it all. So I was kind of hoping I could just pick it up from context clues by now. But what? why is there a companion? Is this just like uh, my husband's at work all, <laughs> all the time? I need someone to provide like friendship and emotional support. Is that all this is? Um. So there's there's joking in I feel like in in TV and movies that back in the day if you had a companion you were you were a lesbian and you actually were just like together and you had to pretend that you weren't so you called it a companion. Gotcha. But in this context and who knows if that's I don't think that's necessarily what's going on it could be but I'll, I don't know why she has a companion when she has a husband because a lot of the times it was single woman who would hire a companion to yeah just like kind of help them out mm. i don't know <laughs> we're just as lost together okay i want to okay. say that yeah it was just a friend to yeah emotional support <laughs> gotcha i'm just mental okay she's got a companion and that's that <laughs> <laughs> so now that miss clark has drank this bowl of corn flour we're back to we're back to who like the husband didn't have the opportunity to poison her, which he they had thought before. And so then they asked for an explanation about that blotting paper. They're like, okay, but you wrote about your wife. And he said, oh, I didn't even realize that was a problem. I was writing to, I have a brother in Australia who had sent me a letter asking for money. And I had basically been apologizing to him that my, uh, like, I don't have control over the money. I would only be able to help them if my wife were dead, which wasn't obviously going to happen. And, oh, and then he had pointed out that there were hundreds and thousands of people in the world in the same unfortunate plight as his brother. Hmm. So that was, that was that. 
And so then Sir Henry says the, the case basically fell to pieces and, and nothing nothing could be done. So they have, they kind of didn't know until this week when something new had happened. So at this point, Eric, everyone takes their own guess of who they think okay. it's going to be, which I won't tell you because I'll, I'll let you guess first and then we can go through their guesses if you want. Okay, can, I'm going to ask a question and you can choose to answer you know, you don't have to. I'm not <laughs> trying to fish too much information out of you. But is there like an equivalent <laughs> of like a, an antidote for arsenic poisoning? Hmm. I don't All right, know. I'm just, I'm just going to give my I guess first. So. so my guess was that okay. the husband just wanted the companion out of the situation. He's like, what's the deal with this companion? And I was like, I'm just going to murder her. <laughs> right. Ice cold sure whatever poisons all the food and then he takes the antidote so he's like yeah whatever i'm gonna be pretty ill probably won't die and then he prepares some some of this antidote for his wife but his wife's like no 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 i don't want any of this that's how awful i feel and then the person he's trying to kill is like well i'll take it and like the husband is just too socially like unequipped for this situation and it's like yeah sure sure person i'm trying to kill and gives her the antidote and the wrong person dies. That's the only guess I have right now. Accidental. Hmm. I like it. Okay. Do you wanna do you wanna hear some of the guesses of the, the Tuesday night mystery? Or sorry, yeah. the tu- what did the they Tuesday call it? Night the club. Tuesday night club. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Joyce goes first and she thinks Oh, no, no. So, they, yeah, they give each other five minutes, which I never do on this show. But they're like, everyone sit down and think about what you what you think could happen. And then we'll we'll go over it. So first, I think the clergyman, Dr. Pender, he goes first and he kind of goes, I have no idea. I The only thing I can think of is that the husband must have given her the poison in some way, which no one knows about. And that's all I can think of. Ah, what well, this guy's lame. <laughs> what what a lame theory. <laughs> he he doesn't get too much into it. Mm-hmm. Um but Joyce Joyce has more uh imagination and she goes, it must have been the companion. The companion every time. Uh we don't we just don't know what the motive was, but it must have been there. Maybe maybe she was jealous of her or like, you know, she was living with her so long she found her so annoying that she just wanted to get rid of her. Right. Wow. Joy- this feels like uh like this first, oh shoot, I forget what it's called. What's the what's the fable with um, with the bears? Oh, it's the three the three bears, Goldilocks, with the mama bear, papa bear, and the baby bear. Yeah, yeah. Goldilocks this feels like you know, bears? like the clergyman was was not imaginative enough, and then Joyce was too oh, imaginative. Yeah. So the the interesting point for me of Joyce's Joy what Joyce's theory is that. Um, the companion, Miss Clark, had actually poisoned the cornflower herself. And she's the only one who says that she drank it, right? Oh, like no one else mm. can prove that she did, did or didn't. So she's saying the Miss, Mrs. Jones actually did drink the cornflower and then Miss Clark lied and said she did. Hmm. So then we have Mr. Prethrick, the lawyer. And obviously he doesn't want to say anything. He wants to be like, well, I can't accuse anyone without the facts. Right. Right. Um, But they get out of him that he he kind of says, "I think Miss Clark must have been sheltering Mister Jones for some reason." Like she says, she drank the cornflower, but really she didn't, and it's to save Mister Jones for whatever reason. 
And then lastly, Raymond goes, you're all wrong. It was the doctor's daughter. I don't know if you remember this, but the doctor sent back to his dispensary for opium pills. Who was in the dispensary at the middle of the night? The doctor's daughter. Who did she give opium pills or did she give arsenic pills? <laughs> so just just to confirm, the doctor is also in this club, right? Uh, this different doctor. Oh, okay. I thought it was the same doctor and Raymond was like completely like devoid of like social cues mm-hmm. and was like, hey, I bet this doctor is telling the story of when his no. daughter murdered someone. Okay. <laughs> no, so the Scotland Yard Sir Henry Clithering is telling the story. Dr. Pender is actually not a doctor. He's a clergyman. Wait, wait. Oh, wait. Was it not the doctor telling the story? Wait, who's telling the story right now? Sir Henry Clithering, who's an ex-Scotland Yard detective. Oh, okay. Okay, way off. Okay. I just <laughs> forgot who's telling the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. None of the people in the story that he's telling are actually in this club. Yeah. It's like yeah, totally I, separate. I figured, I, I just figured maybe this was like, it was like a doctor was telling, I had it in my head that a doctor was telling it, um, who was in this club. Yeah. And like, it was tangentially mm-hmm. related to him because his daughter was like briefly suspected. Yeah. And that's why he knew about this and was bringing it that to the Tuesday club. Yeah. That would make sense why I knew the story, but no, it was, it was the police because Scotland Yard was involved. Sir Henry Clithering was involved. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's everyone's guesses. I will now tell you um, Miss Marple kind of has a clue. Like she, cause she, her like big thing is like she relates crimes to like things that have happened in her village. Right. Sounds like an awful village. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not, it's not that other people committed crimes. It will be like um, uh, when this boy, like, you know, he, he was a pickpocket or something. Right. And then she relates his character to a murderer character because they did something similar. Sure. Okay. It's it's not like there's a ton of murders happening. She's just kind of like <laughs> right. It's similar. So the case that she not the case, but the the thing that happened that she relates it to is old Mister Hargraves, who had lived up with his in his uh, lived with his wife, and his wife had never had any suspicion until he had died, and he had left all of his money to another woman that he had been living with in a nearby town who had had five children whoa okay and so and that girl had been the housemaid at the hargraves's house and then had moved out with mr hargrave into a new house but and then mr hargrave was like leading two lives with his wife mrs hargrave and this this um housemaid Hmm. is this another one where it's the maid hold on okay the maid prepared the food and she's the only one who said the food was fine wait no but everyone had some of the meals so it couldn't have easily been the maid the maid the maid didn't eat the food um yeah yeah i I just mean if the maid had poisoned the food that was served then Mm. it would you know everyone would have yeah um, yeah yeah. double life okay so another thing is he he's gone for you know business meetings and business trips all the time Mm -hmm. so maybe he's got a double life but still when would he poison when would he poison his wife Mm-hmm. I'm also wondering, okay, so who can vouch for the timelines again that, like, he, like, came back and they had dinner and that was the first thing that happened? Like, can anyone vouch for that? Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's like a, yes, everyone's confirmed, whatever, like, the train he got in on, everyone okay. in the house, that's when he had gotten there. Okay. 
Oh man, I don't have a good guess lined up. It's a tough one. Okay, so really, the only people who would have murdered, like the only relevant people in the story, I guess, are the doctor's daughter, the husband, the companion, and the maid. And those are like the only characters that have really been discussed. And then I, the yeah, clues I have... Right. And the clues I have are leading a double life and then hundreds of thousands entirely dependent on my wife and upon her death. All right. I got, I got no clue. I think I, I think I just need to hear the, hear the answer. So this is, it's a little bit of a tricky one. I'm sure my British listeners would call it cheeky. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> so you don't, you probably don't know this, but again, my, anyone in, England or the UK or Australia would know that hundreds and thousands is another word for sprinkles. For sprinkles? Yeah. So we would call it sprinkles here that you might put on a cake or something yeah, like yeah. that. And it's they're called thousands in, in England and oh, other what? places around huh. the world. Okay. So hundreds of thousands was re- really means hundreds of sprinkles? Well, they don't call them sprinkles. They're just called hundreds and thousands. Yeah. Yeah. But like to translate it to terms we're used to. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man. Yes. Sprinkles. And so you might remember that one of the meals items was a trifle, which is like a dessert. It's like a cold dessert with sponge cake and jelly and custard or fruit or stuff. Mm -hmm. So what they realize, what they've realized now is, well, actually, it was the maid. The maid confessed. It was like her, she was dying. And so she confessed to it. She had gotten, the husband had sent her a letter that said, this is what they think because they don't have the letter anymore, but that the maid was pregnant and Mr. Jones, the husband had promised her that when her wife was dead, he would take care of, like they would be together and that she should put hundreds and thousands on the trifle that he had left behind in the house and they actually had arsenic in them. And so Hmm. the, 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 the wife's companion Miss Clark was banting, and so she, or dieting, so she wouldn't eat the trifle. Oh, man, I should have picked up on that clue. The husband just sp- scraped the sprinkles off the trifle, and so only Damn. the wife ate them. Yeah. Pretty crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> I I should have picked up on the how specific the meal was when you also mentioned the trifle. <laughs> mm. But hundreds of thousands, I feel like I got, I got screwed out of solving this one because of a cultural barrier. I was thinking that when I was reading it. I also did not pick up on it the first time. But I have heard of hundreds of thousands before. Hmm, Okay. Yeah, it was a little trickier. I'm sorry. But it was fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, that was was a fun one. But hundreds and thousands. Something new to learn, I guess. All right. I'll wrap this up. So thank you, Eric. Thank you, everyone listening at home for trying to guess this this mystery and learning about the origin of the name Tuesday Night Mystery Club. If you like to hear more episodes, this is, I think, officially episode 21, but I think I have 26 episodes. You should go back and listen to them. You can also follow me on Instagram at Tuesday Night Mystery Club. And I'd love to hear from you with, I don't know, book suggestions or story suggestions. You can email me at Tuesday Night Mystery Club at gmail.com. Do you have any final thoughts, Eric? Yeah, this was a fun mystery. There, I will say I was mildly handicapped by the language barrier, but, you know, not going <laughs> to make excuses. I still have a 50% clearance rate, which is pretty good. True. So. True. 
I'll have to have you back again so we can you can have three times and see how it goes. No, no that sample size. Unless you don't want to. We don't need, we don't need to do. We don't, <laughs> I think 50% is a good stopping point out. You know, okay. it'd be embarrassing if I came on and I just kept getting them right. It would be. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right. Yeah, uh, goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone.